hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. About technology. Fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thanks for listening, thanks for downloading, and this is Two Blokes Talking Tech. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au, connecting with innovation, and they bring you Two Blokes Talking Tech each and every week. This is episode 85, and I'm Trevor Long from Your Tech Life, and joining me each and every week, Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. G'day, Trevor. How's things? Busy week? Yeah, busy week indeed, and uh, we've got a fair bit to talk about tonight, including, I reckon, some pretty cool products, so uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get straight into it. Mate, when we normally talk about Facebook and billions, we're normally talking about money. But uh, <laughs> this to the, this week, or at the end of last week, they announced a, a bit of a milestone for Facebook, and it was that they'd hit 1 billion users. And the, and the important thing about this number, and any number that Facebook uses, is they're, they're a pretty good company in the terms of the way they call users. I'm sure there's 2 billion Facebook accounts, but they talk about active users. And that's a really important thing, to have 1 billion people actively using your service, which is such a, a you know interesting service in the amount of data that they get. This is a huge thing for Facebook. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think yeah, a billion is, is a massive milestone, but I think the really interesting thing to note here too mm. is that how quickly they got to the billion yes. from 500 million. They, they only were 500 million. They announced that in July 2010. That's just over two years ago. So they've doubled the amount of active users mm. in just two and a, and, and a bit years, which is impressive. And I think... They even come from uh, 2008, they only had 100 million users. So you can just see the rate of growth there. So uh, hmm. excellent. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm really uh, it's interesting to see, though, that in Australia, more, almost half the population is on Facebook. Yeah, There's 11.5 11. 11. million users on Facebook. How many of them you reckon are view, accessing it from work? Well, wasting all that time. Well, the, you know, the, forget the work thing. Here's my big thing about Facebook, and and they actually said, I don't know, actually, was, I don't think it was Facebook. I, maybe it was a, an analytics company, but sixty percent of that billion are using it on their mobile, and twenty five percent say it's the first thing they check in the morning. So there's there's yeah. good news, but bad news because the mobile thing they're still struggling to to uh, monetize. Yeah, that's true. I think though, what what's going to help it though, I reckon, Trevor, is the fact that. Now that it's being that all the smartphone screens are bigger, hmm. including the iPhone, hmm. there may be a little bit of a room at the bottom for a little strip ad. You never know. I think that might sneak in there with with the la- more real estate on the screen. I think Facebook might think, well, here's our opportunity to make a bit of money. I know, I know they're not really big on display advertising mm. and like in-your-face advertising, but I think if they, as you mentioned, some more people are accessing on the mobile, they need to monetize that. We all know the share float was a bit of a disaster. It's mm. fallen way, way down from the original valuation. That may be the key there for them to get their money back, so to speak. Well, I think what you'll find, it won't be a, um, a display ad like that. I think you'll find that what you're seeing already, if you scroll through your um, your Facebook now, you'll get this pages you might like thing, which shows you sponsored page promotions, basically. And essentially, that's where they're making their money now, because they've got this promoted 
posts, promoted yes. everything. So I think that's where they're going to make their money. So I have noticed that actually with of, of Tech Guide's got a techguide.com.au has got a Facebook page, hmm. uh, and like we've got like two thousand seven hundred likers on there. And every time I post something on there, like it's usually a link to my one of my stories. The one of the lines that pops up at the bottom promotes so exactly. that there is actually a way for you to actually pay your money. Yep. Uh, and it could be like 20, 30 bucks, and you can get to thousands more uh, Facebook members as well that way. So yep. I don't know how successful that is for them. It got a little bit annoying though after every little post, that little promote pop up would appear. But um, I think they're, they're, they're probably Mr. Zuckerberg's in his office right now. Stroking his cat and <laughs> counting his one billion users, a la, uh, <laughs> a la, what's his name? The bloody um, Austin Powers, uh, Austin Powers uh, the yeah, villain yeah. in Austin the Powers. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I think uh, he's going to be looking long and hard to make that extra dough. Yes, look, it's a big milestone for Facebook. It's a big milestone for social media. And just quickly, the other thing uh, on social media as I digress off script, but uh, Twitter uh, launched their Australian Twitter account today. Uh, Twitter AU is the, is the uh, Twitter handle. Um, very interesting. Uh, they're, they're very coy. They're not saying they've got an office here yet. They're kind of saying, let us adjust and we'll announce all that kind of stuff soon. They're just yeah. kind of talk, chatting, I think you'll chatting find with Aussies. This may be the result of the, uh, you know, that massive campaign, the anti troll campaign, mm-hmm. and the like news limited newspapers were chasing. Yep. Twitter re- uh, response for the trolls, and yep. they were kind of getting ignored. But then they finally uh, heard from them. This may be an effort to sort of have a have a presence presence here in Australia. It might only be an account; we don't know. But I think uh, that that may be the result of that. It'll be policy based presence. It'll be uh, government relations. It won't be you know a public figure. It won't be a media relations or anything like that because that's what Facebook do. They don't have people here other than policy people and and salespeople. But anyway, it's, it's, it was an interesting um, evolution in social yeah. media for Australia. So Facebook has a billion uses, and I think very easily you can read more about that at TechGuide. Dot com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, you know, Trevor, that I've got a bit of a policy when it comes to TVs. It's go big or go home. That's kind of how I look at these things. But uh, LG have come up with a, uh, a very uh, a very big solution here with the world's first ultra-definition television. Oh, and this little Lord. puppy, well, it's not little. It's actually 84-inch LED 3D screen uh, mm. that they unveiled. Uh, I saw it earlier this year at IFA. It was also at CES. We both saw it at CES yep. earlier this year. But it's finally in the market. Uh, we had a really good chance to have a good close look at it. 4K TV, they call it ultra definition, but it's generally known as 4K in the industry. A big screen with a big price, $15,999. You get a dollar change out of sixteen grand for this humongous 84-inch TV that's released November 19th. Imagine paying cash and asking for the dollar change. <laughs> you think? Do you think the person would just drop that dollar in the in the in the tip jar? You oh, think? Or I don't in think you would. I think, six, I think after sixteen big ones, you'd say <laughs> you take every dollar you can get. Look, there's a couple of things. It's a bloody beautiful TV. You're right. We spoke about this. In fact, uh, you know, a good fifty episodes ago um, at, at CES, and and it is. Gorgeous. The quality is unbelievable, and therefore, the bigger you go, the better because of the definition. But 
it just you know starts that whole argument about oh my god do we really need another confusing thing in television it's bad enough mm. now I don't know. A couple of years down the track, we'll have to see how it goes. Uh, you know, just getting access to. I'm just not even sure Blu-ray's taken off enough to have another one up over and above yeah, it. That, that's a very good point. I think 4K. Just just on the technical side of things, we should mention that for the, being a ultra definition TV, it's got a resolution of 3840 by 2160, which is actually double full HD by the numbers. Hmm. But it's actually four times the resolution of full HD because yeah. it's if it's, it's in the equivalent of uh, two forty-two inch TVs stacked up on top of each other, so in a total of four. Yeah. Include the resolution, also the screen area is about that size. But with four K content, they did display some at the event being streamed from a PC. Hmm. And one one person, a representative from LG, said that a full length four K film is three hundred and sixty eight gigabytes. Jesus. So that's not going to fit on a disc anytime soon. If a Blu-ray disc, I think, takes 50 gig. So a, a, a 4K movie is going to come on six discs, potentially. Um, so that's, that's one issue you're going to be looking at, unless they give you a little mini portable hard drive with the movie. I don't think you're going to want to download a 366 gig file. Um, but on the other side, though, Anyone who goes to the cinema and watches a digital projection, the file being shown is a 4K file. Yeah. Let, let me just tell it you could, this. Uh, it, could be, it could be a case where the studios work out some kind of format that would fit this humongous file and allow people to enjoy 4K in their own homes. Let me, let me go a little bit extreme. Here's why I would buy a 4K TV. If they had four tuners and four audio outputs with wireless headphones... We could have in the lounge room, we could have four different things running in <laughs> high definition. TVs. In high definition, there'd be four 42-inch TVs. In high definition, four people or, or all the kids watching one thing, me watching two and the wife watching another. That'd be perfect picture That'd in picture. communal viewing. That's actually a good idea. But, and, of course and it's, it's a good idea. LG never thought of that. But I think four tuners is a bit extreme, though. I should mention on the 4K content topic, though, that the TV has a built-in upscaler. Right. So if you're pumping in... Um, Blu-ray, it's going to upscale it to 4K. They put on Rango, you know, the animated film with uh, John starring Johnny Depp's, Johnny yeah. Depp's voice as the, the main character. Yeah. That looked really good uh, upscale, but I, I didn't get a chance to see a live-action upscaled yeah. film. But um, that's the only way you can have 4K is at this point, not native, upscaled from Blu-ray. All right, LG Ultra definition they're calling it it's called 4k probably ultra definition is a much better brand but anyway that's an lg thing coming soon uh, to you if you've got sixteen thousand dollars and you can see it and read about it at techguide.com.au Now, mate, you and I have had a little device that's a kind of fun one because it's one of those devices that when you when you need to when you're reviewing it, you need to be out in the open, uh, and when you're reviewing it, people are asking you questions about it, and it's very interesting. The first question they ask is, "What's that?" Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're talking about the Lytro camera, L Y T R O, Lytro, and it's it's just an unbelievable thing here. This was invented by an Aussie bloke um, who I interviewed for Your Tech Life this week. It's just absolutely down to earth, and you know, did a PhD on this light technology and went, went ahead and made a camera that did it and then thought, you know, had a few people say, hey, make it properly and, and he did. This thing is $399 or $499 depending on the size. It is ridiculously hard to explain but imagine holding one hand out in front of you uh, cupped as if you're going to grip something and now put a block 
in there. And the block is, I think it's about an inch and a half square as you look at it, and then it's about 10 centimetres, 12 centimetres long. It's impossible to describe. You need to go to the websites and have a look. But it is a light-filled camera. You, you, there's only two buttons, turn it on and, and point and shoot. You hold it out in front of you and you shoot a photo. But the important thing about this is when you get it to the computer or share it on Facebook or whatever, when you do that, the people looking at the photo get the chance to, to choose the point of focus. We talked about this last week uh, quickly when it was or the week before and we actually had some emails that went to your website and followed the link. When you see these things, you'll be blown away. Mm, no, I think um, the, the, the whole light, it's called a light field camera because that's exactly what it does. It captures the entire light field, hence the ability to focus on various points of the photograph. A normal digital camera uh, captures one plane of light, so that way you just get the photo, it's, there's, a, there's a point of focus and it's there. It's like a, a flat piece of paper. Yep. This is kind of like a cube hmm. where you can reach in and focus on various parts of the photograph because it's captured that entire light field block hmm. in front of the camera. Uh, and it's not measured in megapixels, I was interested to see too. It's, <laughs> the pictures are measured in mega rays because of the, the, its nature, it, it being a light field yeah. camera. Uh, it's 11 mega rays, the, the images. Uh, and... Uh, but I think though that th- this is oh, this is kind of I think an enthusiast product. I don't oh, think very a, much a, a so. mum and dad are going to buy this to take no. snaps of the kids. Uh, it's not cheap for a start. It's four nine nine for the eight gig, five nine nine for the sixteen. I think it's for those enthusiasts who really like to have manual control of their images, want to experiment a little bit. Uh, and I think what what you're going to see is a whole new genre of photography where people use the Lytra camera and have those images where there's all different things all layered through the photograph where yep. you can click on various things. I, I put – but I, I tried to embed my photograph on my review, uh, but it, my, on my the back end of uh, Tech Guide is a Joomla uh, a content management system and it wouldn't let me embed their code because there was a bit of a security issue with uh, it being an iframe uh, uh, code that to embed. Anyway, that's beside the point, but I did put links on my story hmm. to, uh, to see some of the images that I took. And I found that when I was out there taking my photographs, it made me really think, well, how can I make this add a bit of depth? So you, you're kind of thinking in three dimensions rather are, than yeah. just what's in front of you. Definitely. So there's a couple of – I took one of my dog. Or I took one of uh, – you know, in the city, sort of a bit of depth in the city. So, yeah, it's a fun camera to use, not for everyone, but I think if, you, if you're really into photography, you're a bit of an enthusiast, then this may be your cup of tea. Absolutely. I, um, I took a few photos as well. I put them on EFTM. But, I mean, it is hard because you can't just take a photo of anything. You've got to have something really close. You've got to have something within 20 centimetres of the camera to really create that depth of field. Um, look, my, my biggest gripe with it is they're actually not that great a photo. Um, they have released an update to the camera even just today to give you some more manual control over, over light and things so that you should get a better low-light photo, but they aren't actually a fantastic photo. They're, they're pretty low-res in terms of yeah. just on screen. I don't know if the, sort of the megapixel equivalent, I, I think it would be probably around 5 or something. I don't think it's quite 8. 8 is like full – That 8 is like 4K I resolution. Reckon, if I you put an 8-megapixel uh, picture on the 4K TV we spoke about earlier, mm. that would be – that about that resolution, so this, I think this is maybe even lower than that four this would five meg. Struggle to get to four meg, I reckon. But yeah, the, and, look, uh, it's and not and about look, the quality that. of the photos. Like I said in my review, they're nowhere near. Don't expect like digital SLR quality. No, no, no. no. Um, but, but sharing them too, like I had to direct people to a website. Um, I think if you share them on Facebook, it sort of kind of brings the whole file across. Hmm. But, yeah, there's a uh, plugin for being Facebook. able to. The, the, the fun is in the viewing rather than Absolutely. in the taking. I think, um, and, and to explain it to people. 
I think as you saw when I first spoke about it, there was a link at the bottom of my introductory story uh, and, and seeing these new types of pictures, these living pictures as they call them, uh, is really going to uh, get people out there using their imagination on how they can use the technology. Great stuff. Check out the Lightro camera. Uh, Stephen's done a full review and uh, links to all of the photos he took at techguide.com.au. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, Apple's been in the news uh, for the past two and a half weeks, since the uh, nearly three weeks now since the iPhone 5 was released, uh, amid a storm of rumours. But uh, one rumour that was persistent before the iPhone f- launch on the 21st of September was the rumours of an iPad Mini. Mm. Now, if you believe the rumours, and I think even the Wall Street Journal has weighed in on a couple of stories, uh, the Apple is set to introduce a 7.85-inch iPad, smaller iPad, which is we were all coining the iPad Mini, which, uh, according to the rumours as well, should be launched uh, by the 17th mm. of October was the date that came from the same rumor mill that predicted a September 12 announcement of the iPhone 5 and a September 21 launch date. So they're pretty reliable sources. Um, seems to have gone a bit quiet, that rumor, Trev. I don't know whether it's because the iPhone 5 taken all the oxygen out of the room in, in Apple's case and the mapping drama has maybe diverted people's attention. But if there is an event next week to launch an iPad mini, there should be uh, invitations going out uh, overnight. So by the time people listen to this, probably on the Thursday, we're recording on a Wednesday night, there may be an invitation from Apple for an iPad mini launch. Uh, here's the thing. There's, a, there's, there's obviously two scenarios here. One that is there is absolutely no launch and it's a G up, and the other one that there's a launch. I, I obviously, as a, as a spectator of technology, love the, the fanfare that goes around these things, and ideally would love there to be one for a couple of reasons. Firstly, I would love there to be an iPad mini because I've talked a lot about how I think it's a great style of product, given my experience with the Samsung Galaxy Tab 7.7. But more importantly... There are, there is one. There's really one prototype going around, and it, it's it's a mock, it's a mock up. It's not an active. There's no screen that works on it, anything like that. And I reckon it's a complete G up. I reckon that thing is absolute bull's dust. And there's two reasons why I think so. One, it's ugly as all hell. I can't mm. imagine it's the iPad Mini. And two, I just think they've been better and smarter about this one if there is an iPad Mini. So if there is an announcement next week, I reckon we'll be blown away because. It's not what we expect. No, I, I agree. I think if, if you believe uh, – Wall Street Journal had an interesting story from uh, the, so the factories and the suppliers who, who claim that there will be 10 million of these in the market to, ready to sell before Christmas. Hmm. Now, that aside, and just let's just go from the, the logic of the situation. Uh, there's one reason – I'll give you one reason why they will and one reason why they won't. Mm-hmm. The one reason why they will – uh, go the iPad Mini is because they capped the iPhone five screen the iPhone five screen size at yep, four inches. Definitely, if they had gone up to say four point eight, gone up and competed with Samsungs and all those other all those other brands on the bigger screen, it would have been too close to that seven point eight screen size. It would have been. Well, why should I buy that? I've got a 4.8-inch iPhone. Mm, mm. That's probably the reason why, giving it more logic and reason for Apple to maybe do this. Now, here's the point against it. They, they're usually, to have an, uh, an, an their iPads are normally a March release. Mm-hmm. They didn't give the iPad a number. The previous iPad is just called the new iPad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may be because they want to have the new iPad and the iPad mini uh, for a March launch as well. 
Um, iPhone 5, interestingly, they gave that a number. That wasn't called just the new iPhone. That was given a number. So do they stick to the iPad season in March uh, and wait for then, or do they take advantage of the pre-Christmas buzz uh, and put this thing out there on, on the back, on, on so close behind the iPhone? That's a, probably mm. another reason maybe against it. They, they very rarely release a product right on the heels of another major product yeah. as well. You convince me every time with the March argument, you know, keep the current iPad, the new iPad in the market for two years. It's a great device. Absolutely. Release the iPad mini this March. It, it's just absolutely logical. The thing the thing about it is, and it just blows my mind, I got on, I've got. i been catching the train the last week. With, I haven't had a car. And Jesus, a lot of people with iPads, it's just stunning. It's just unbelievable. I mean, you just Imagine a 7.8-inch one exactly. in, your, in your hand on the bus. That would be so, a bit easier to manage than a 10-inch. Keep your eyes and, uh, and ears and everything peeled to uh, Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long over the next couple of days on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, techguide.com.au and all those places because um, when it happens, we'll, um, we'll let you know for sure. And if it doesn't happen, I think you'll, you'll hear about it. But also just remember, when the Wall Street Journal and those places have these big breaking news scoops and yeah. whatnot, it's link bait too because there's they get a, a lot of traffic. Saying, Trevor, where there's smoke, there's fire. And mm. Wall Street Journal, they very rarely get it wrong. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 85. All thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. And uh, we can tell you right now, just with a little bit of heads up, but we'll talk about it more in the next few months, uh, Netgear's big focus around Christmas is wireless. You know, wireless range extenders, the best wireless routers and modems you can get. And there's some great products out there, and we'll feature them heavily here on Two Blokes Talking Tech, and you'll be able to read about them at techguide.com.au. Wireless products are what Netgear do amazingly well. If you've got wireless in your home, you should check whether it's the right wireless, whether it's the latest wireless. Is it wireless N? Is it wireless AC? This is the latest and greatest. If you buy a wireless AC router now, you'll be future-proof for years. Your devices are ever-growing. The number of devices in your home, the number of connected devices in your home, and the things that you're acquiring of them in your home. So make sure you've got the best network, and a wireless network is that. With Netgear, you can check it all out at netgear.com.au. Support the people that support us. That's uh, netgear.com.au. I mean, another example of one of those kind of, wow, didn't, didn't they already have this, um, was the, the launch and the announcement of TomTom coming to Android. Now, TomTom's been one of the best-selling iPhone apps in, in a long time, and, and it stayed there for a very long time. And Android is, you know, it's a, this is that argument that everyone says, oh, you know, there's the biggest smartphone penetration and Android's got the biggest market share. But if there was a market... If there was demand in Android, they would have done this a long time ago. So finally, if you've got an Android phone, TomTom, available on your Android. Yeah, that's right. I think, uh, yeah, well, I have heard this many a time. People are saying, oh, all you do is talk about iPhone and iPad apps. Well, there's a reason behind that. I think uh, developers, uh, it's easier for them to develop for iOS because there's Mm. one iPhone screen size and there's one iPad screen size. Android well, there was. <laughs> several Android tablet screen sizes and several Android smartphone screen sizes as well as screen resolutions. Hence the reason it's a bigger job to get an app developed for Android, which is the reason why TomTom's taken this long to get it in the market. There's been an iPhone TomTom app for, I think, 18 months now, probably longer. Uh, and uh, that's been a big success. Yep. But now uh, they've taken advantage of uh, the Android platform and its popularity. Yep. And as you can expect, a lot of the features 
on the on the Android uh, TomTom app uh, is, is are the same features you'd find on the dedicated TomTom device, right. including IQ routes, uh, HD traffic, the updates too. I found that interesting. You're going to get updates every quarter, so you, you're always going to have the latest maps. Uh, and there's an offline mode too, so you can still access the maps and the data mm. without having to connect. Uh, to a cellular or, or any other connection when you're overseas, so you're yeah. not going to have any large data roaming charges while you're traveling. It's fifty one ninety nine, and uh, here's the important thing: if you've got an Android phone and you're a, you're an Android fanboy person, you'll know that you can get lane. Uh, you sorry, you can get navigation with you with your normal Google Maps because on Android, Google Maps is stunning. You turn the phone around, put it in a dock, and it just looks like a, a sat nav. But you don't get the intelligence that TomTom have, and the IQ routes is, is the best example of that. They have so much information about the streets that they can tell you which way is going to be quicker um, the lane guidance that kind of thing that's the benefit of the, a, a dedicated app let alone a dedicated GPS so it's available uh, now uh, on the uh, Google Play uh, and uh, it's TomTom the navigation app for Android if you've got an Android device check it out and you can read about it and uh, see some screenshots at techguide.com.au Two Blokes Talking Tech you're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, we're going to uh, be turning into two blokes talking movies for this segment, Trevor, and uh, the highly anticipated Blu-ray disc version of Prometheus from 20th Century Fox uh, is out next week. And one good thing about it, I went along to a, a, a briefing the other night where they outlined some of the extra features uh, in, and some of the deleted scenes. Uh, the beauty of the deleted scenes is that it does explain a lot of the questions that the movie raised. There's a lot of people walked out of the cinema <laughs> with different interpretations for what happened in the movie. I'm not going to spoil what happens, but uh, a lot of these deleted scenes really do well to fill in the gaps. Hmm. But the reason we're talking about Prometheus on a tech podcast is because they're introducing an interesting new feature called Second Screen with the availability of a dedicated app for viewers of the Prometheus Blu-ray disc. Now, what happens is you can download the app for iOS or Android devices, smartphone or tablet, and you can uh, access information. So you can you can sync the app to so that the uh, it runs in time with the movie. Mm. So in your lap, you've got your smartphone and tablet, and information from the film as it's being played is displayed on your device. So behind-the-scenes cool. information, you may see video of how certain stunts were performed. So all this information is in your lap to uh, sort of add to the and en- enhance your enjoyment of the film. Great idea and just a great way to make use of that second screen experience, which is taking over the world. It's uh, it's fantastic stuff. And uh, when you get the ad- when you spend the money on a, on a Blu-ray, you get the quality, but you also get the added features. And I love this second screen concept. It's just fantastic stuff. Yeah, I, I think it, it's a, it's a really good advertisement for Blu-ray disc and the and the, the capabilities of the of the format. Uh, if you were just to download this as a digital file, which you can probably from iTunes and many other places, you don't get those extra features. Those those behind the scenes documentaries, deleted scenes, that that rich content, if you're a fan of a film, you can only get them on Blu-ray. So I think it's this sort of, this is a great example of why uh, this is still very popular format. And and let's remember, DVD isn't going away anyway either. DVD is still more movies sell on DVD than they do on Blu-ray. I think a film, if it reaches, say, 30 35% penetration on Blu-ray, is deemed a huge success. But that still leaves 65% of their sales still on DVD. So yeah. a good advertisement for the Blu-ray format and just goes to show that we still do like to buy physical media for films like this. And you can check it out at uh, techguide.com.au. Stephen's written an article there. So techguide.com.au.
I've got breaking news for gaming fans. Okay, breaking news. The most anticipated game of 2013, SimCity, is still coming. But moving <laughs> on to uh, more, more... You think more, it's the most anticipated game of the year, do you? Of next year, definitely. But of oh, this sorry, year... Sorry, 2013. <laughs> sorry, I misheard you there, mate. What about 2012? What do you reckon it's the most anticipated game um, of 2012? Uh, is it um, Angry Birds Star Wars? Hey, not far off. I've, I've actually uh, writing about that. That'll we be should, on Tech Guide tomorrow. We, we but, will mention uh, that next week. No, Angry Birds, try Star again, Wars, Trevor. Call of Duty, Black Ops Two, and you Here have you played hands-on the multiplayer version already. And what I love, I'm just going to tell our, our listeners on the run sheet uh, that, that I'm looking at, <laughs> after the uh, it says Call of Duty Black Ops 2, and in brackets it's got Fennec is pumped. Yep. And you are right, Trevor, I am pumped for this game. It, it, it comes out November the 13th. I was lucky enough uh, with a group of journalists to have a hands-on of the multiplayer of this game, which is probably the most popular aspect of the Call of Duty franchise, uh, is the online play. Now, just to remind everyone, the Call of Duty franchise has set records in the past, become the most, the biggest entertainment release of all time the past three years running. So that's a pretty good record, beating Avatar, The Dark Knight, everything like that. It's uh, a huge franchise, and the good news is that Black Ops 2 really lives up to the previous games and offers many enhancements so that you're kind of getting a whole new experience with all your favourite features, though, built in. So uh, interesting. Uh, I've written a full report on Tech Guide, uh, you know, about all the new maps and all the weapons and attachments and all the different features. Uh, And, yeah, I've got November the 13th circled on my calendar. Can't wait to get into this one. You can read all about it and see some video previews at techguide.com.au. And I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but it's um, basically a lot of people shooting a lot of other people. Um, (laughs) That's that's at techguide.com.au. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, uh, running out of time as always, but uh, a couple of interesting reviews, mate. The minute reviews from Stephen Fennick, uh, and you're going to kick it off with uh, a phone we've been talking about for a long time with a with a twist. Absolutely, yeah. Start the clock. The Galaxy S3 4G. Now, uh, the 4G versions are out now for Optus and Telstra. Uh, and for outside, the phones look almost identical. The only difference is there's a couple of new colors, right? But the biggest feature is, of course, 4G. Uh, these things are very fast. They've got the 4G antennas on our 1800 megahertz 4G network. I had speeds of up to 56 megabits per second uh, on Telstra, about the 40 megabits, uh, 41.36 as the best I got with Optus. Now, that's super quick. Uh, good, good for downloading, browsing, uploading too. Upload speeds are very important too, especially if you're using this thing for business or to share large files, maybe a large video to, to your friend or maybe uploading something to Facebook. Very handy. Uh, one downside though, ironically, the 4G capability is, it's, is what burns through the battery uh, a little bit more than the 3G version. The 3G version, battery on this is very good, but having 4G, powering 4G, it, uh, it taxes it a little bit further. We got through a full day. I got through a full day using the Galaxy S3 4G. Uh, didn't last quite as long as the uh, 3G version, but a small price to pay for all that speed on a very good device, and uh, the, I'll put a full review up on Tech Guide.
And uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not sure. Do you do you play golf, mate? But I understand you have a golfing uh, product. I do. Golf Buddy Platinum is a GPS device that comes preloaded with forty thousand golf courses. So no matter where in the world you travel, the the you will be able to find that course on this device. Now it gives you obviously all the all the top down view of the hole, gives you distances to the front of the green, back of the green. Uh, you know, and it allows you to uh, even monitor how far you hit certain shots. So you can set targets. If you want to lay up a shot, you just simply press on the screen to see how far it is, maybe to the hazard, uh, just so that you can make a, a more informed selection for your club. Now, the beauty of this is that it's not just a range finder and GPS. It also lets you keep score for your group. So up to four people, you can keep their scores. But for the main user, it allows them to analyze their round as they go too. So they may take note that on the first, they hit their, their tee shot to the right. They made three putts. On the second, they can do similar things and monitor and sort of list where, what they did with their shots, go back and analyze it later. Golf Buddy Platinum GPS 449. Uh, it, it is a, it's not cheap, but it, it does so much, helps you lower your score. Uh, it's more expensive than, oh, I get asked this a lot, why, why use a GPS when I can just download an app? Now, I was told that uh, using an app on a smartphone during competition is actually illegal because the smartphone is able to access weather information. Something to keep in mind if you're deciding on whether to use just an app or to go for a device like the Golf Buddy Platinum, 449, full review at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long. And that wraps it up with those five-minute reviews. Uh, no, you, you, you came close, mate. You came close. Uh, episode 85 in the can. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. You can uh, listen to my podcast each and every week at yourtechlife.com. You can listen to Stephen's podcast every week at techguide.com.au and, of course, read all the latest and greatest technology news at techguide.com.au. Thanks, mate, and talk to you next week. No worries, Trevor. Thank you.